everyone and welcome to the History Hotline, the hottest line for all things Black History and beyond. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 45 of the History Hotline. My name is Deanna Lincook and I am as always your host today. If you are new to the podcast, welcome. I hope you enjoy this episode and if you've been here before then thank you so much for coming back. Today's episode is going to be about the changes. We love changes. Changes made to the OCR A-level English reading lists, the book list for GCSE and the curriculum in general in this country because if you have been here for a long time you will know I complain nearly every episode, every other episode at least about the curriculum in this country but I always talk about history and if I'm honest you know am I holding these other subjects accountable? No and should we be? Of course it's not just English, it's not just history, religion you know um, media studies, business studies, uh, PE, whatever it is, you know, all the curriculum must do, I believe anyway, is represent not just the British population. I think I've moved on from this idea. It needs to be global because we are more and more, maybe not after Brexit, but we're becoming a quite a globalised world, whether you think that's a good thing or a bad thing. But I think it's important, you know, to have an awareness, especially in a country like Britain that colonised the majority of the globe anyway. And the consequences of that colonisation is migrations from those countries into this one, meaning that we need to have a more accepting and open society, you know, two different kinds of people that are moving into this country. It's so important that the curriculum is going to teach and equip future generations to be accepting, to be understanding in this globalised world and this globalised country. Because as much as, you know, this country wants to close down the borders and not let anybody in that's black or brown, they don't have a choice because of the atrocities that they've committed in so many countries historically, you know? If they hadn't put their hand in affairs in Afghanistan, the migrations that we now see of refugees and asylum seekers coming from Afghanistan, we wouldn't see them, but we do, because... Britain, you know, found themselves in that country. You know, if it wasn't for the colonisation of the Caribbean, you wouldn't have a Windrush generation here. And I could go on. I could go on with every single, nearly every single country um, to, to track, you know, what Britain did in those countries to mean that later on down the line, the people from those countries ended up in Britain. And so, yes, a diverse curriculum is very important. Decolonising it is even more important, but it's a very big topic and not for today because it will be too much we need we need episodes we need we need a lot of research for that big decolonization word but for today we're talking about diversifying English in particular but with thought to other subjects as well so earlier this week as I'm sure you are aware now um, OCR announced that they would be adding um, five texts to the A-level English paper and A-level English literature that is and a text to the GCSE paper, and also refreshing the selection of poems, which we'll get into shortly, but I don't know what refreshing means, and I hope it means more than just sprinkling in a token black poet, because that's what they have done in the past at AQA. That one's for you, because I had the pleasure of teaching uh, English uh, last academic year for a little while in a secondary school, and I taught the poetry anthology to two different year groups and the one offering of blackness was um, Checking Out My History by uh, 
John a guard and it just wasn't enough, really. Not at all. And the worst thing about the fact that AQA is poetry anthology, this is the um, power and conflict one, not the romance relationships one, by the way, if anybody... I think there were a lot of English teachers on this, listen to this podcast, so hi to all of you. Um, but yeah, the power and conflict anthology has two questions in the exam paper one of them where you have a poem and you have to analyze it and you, you're asked a question specifically about it and another question where you have to compare it to another poem now checking out my history in regards to power and conflict does, doesn't match up with any other poem because the majority of the poems are war poems so it makes sense for you to compare you know a safe Rita soon poem with a Wilfred Owen poem because they're both talking about war the realities of war maybe world war one common threads common themes but checking out my history, it's very, the power or references to power are very symbolic. Um, John Agard, essentially, if you don't know the poem, is talking about the fact that in his homeland of Guyana, um, as a British colony, he was never taught about Guyana. He was only taught about Britain. And he didn't understand why he wasn't taught about people like Nanny of the Maroons, um, Shaka the Great Zulu, um, Mary Seacole and Toussaint Louverture, to name a few of the people he references. And, you know, this poem does not match up with any of the other poems. So even if you get, you know, to the exam and you think, oh, yeah, I really know this one really well. Like, it really stood out to me. Um, I really resonate with the themes. It's my favourite poem in the anthology. As a student, it's very unlikely you're going to be able to answer a question comparing that poem to another because it's just such a reach in regards of, like, linking them. Um, so yeah, it's just very frustrating, I think. And, you know, the fact that OCR are going to refresh the selection of poems at GCSE is fantastic. Um, hopefully they do a good job of that. Although I haven't seen anywhere where they've specifically said what that refreshment will look like. So what have OCR done? 28% of the texts are now written by writers of colour, which is up from 13% in previous years. And 62% of the new works being added are by women. And this is fantastic. 62% is great because not just um, black women not being represented, but like women at all are not well represented, I don't think, in kind of literary canons and in uh, OCRs, or not just OCR, sorry, um, GCC and A-level exam board reading lists. And so this is a very good thing that not only women are being involved, but, you know, women of colour, black women. Um, so the texts that are being added are Bernadine Evaristo, who's kind of the, the cover girl of this story, um, Girl, Woman, Other, Passing by Nella Larson, The Parable of the Sower by Octavia Butler, Rebecca by Daphne du Maurier, and The Lonely Londoners by Sam Selvan. And I'm going to be honest, I saved the best till last there. The Lonely Londoners by Sam Selvan is my favourite fiction book of all time. I have read it so many times. I love it. And just as that word came out of my mouth, James Baldwin like looked at me side-eye, he side-eyed me, because I realised that If Beale Street Could Talk is also up there with my number one. So let me give Sam Selvon like, joint first place with James Baldwin, because If Beale Street Could Talk, wow, 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 wow. And when they made it into a film, and it was a wow again. So... So, The Lonely Londoners, written by Sam Selvon. Sam Selvon, born in Trinidad in 1923. Um, he is, like, literary genius. Um, he moves to England uh, and continues his writing in 1950. By 1952, he'd written his first full-length novel, A Brighter Sun. 
Um, and then he went on to write The Lonely Londoners in 1956. Um, and then there was like a follow on from that book, Moses Ascending in 1975 and Moses Migrating in 1983. Um, and Sam Salvan, he stays in London until 1978 and then moves to Canada, actually. Um, and he is known as the father of black writing in Britain. He passed away, um, unfortunately, in 1994 on a brief trip home to Trinidad. Um, but for me... I was introduced to Sam Selvon um, on a module I did in the part of my English degree um, and it was called Black and Asian Writing and I think I've spoken about it before but it's the reason why I have an interest in Black British history today because I knew nothing about Black British history before taking that module and I remember the first text we studied was Alad Equiano's autobiography and then you know we went through slavery, didn't dwell on it too much which was perfect for me uh, we went into the kind of post-war era of migrations um, and the Windrush generation and their fiction. And this was in 2016 or 15 when I took this module. And so the Windrush scandal hadn't really broken yet. And I think there was something different about studying black British history pre-Windrush scandal. And I want to do a full episode on this one day because I think this Windrush scandal without, you know, maybe not realising, has led us to really revere and I think really give flowers to that generation because before that I don't really think it was on... It wasn't in part of the national conversation. Like, what was the Windrush? I remember doing it in geography to introduce the theme of migration when I was in, like, year eight, but we didn't dwell on it. We didn't call these people trailblazers. We didn't think about their contribution to British society. It was just like, oh, yeah, like, some people came from the Caribbean. That's why there's Caribbean people here now. And so studying a text like Sam Salvon's Lonely Londoners, pre-Windrush scandal, at university, having never studied anything that was kind of, quote-unquote, black British before, for me, it was just absolutely fantastic. And I still keep in contact with a few people on my course that all did that module. And we always reminisce about how like beautiful those seminars were. Two hours every week to just discuss the book, the person, you know, and theory around it as well. We sometimes looked at post-colonial theory. Sometimes we looked at feminist theory if we were studying a specific woman um, that kind of brought in a lot of conversations regarding feminism um, and yeah, a variety of things. We looked at queer theory as well for some of the weeks. So, oh, a beautiful module. And I was introduced to this wonderful book. And without ruining what the book is about, it is essentially a story of that quote-unquote Windrush generation. Um, it starts off at Waterloo Station, um, where you have the new West Indian arrivals coming in. One of them is a man called Moses Alouetta, who has already been there in London for a few years. And then he meets um, Henry Galahad, Sir Galahad uh, Oliver, um, and then they start navigating London together and, you know, new people arrive, his family come, friends come, they navigate relationships, they navigate, you know, finding places to live, work, how they manage money, how they get around, all under the backdrop of this kind of like bleak London. Um, and I feel like the characters just bring, it sounds silly, but colour to a backdrop of just grey, because I just think of London in like the 50s and 60s as just constantly like smoggy and gray and smoky and then you've got all these colorful characters with like huge backstories doing so many different things and you you can kind of for me anyway imagine like oh I wonder if like my grandparents had to do this or you know was this common for these people and because it's London as well specifically you can kind of picture 
you know, these big sites of London that they would have learnt about in school, being educated in a British colony. And then they're seeing it in the flesh and nothing's really adding up. It's like expectation versus reality is like quite different um, because obviously the Britain they were sold was not the reality of Britain. I think my favourite part of the book is just how funny it is. It's quite satirical, very comedic. Um, Moses reads as a cantankerous old man and he's not because he's quite young, but he's just really funny in his character and, you know, the things that happen to him and some of the other characters, they're kind of ridiculous. One thing I think a lot of people do say when they comment on it is the it's a very male-dominated narrative. It's, you know, obviously Sam Sargon's a man writing about men um, and their experiences and when women play a role in the narrative, um, they tend to just come in as love interests um, or a kind of um, motherly figure in thinking about, like, Tanti, who is an aunt um, and comes with all the family um, unexpectedly to England. But I don't want to give the novel away. I just think you need to read it, really. And this podcast is not about the Lonely Londoners, although maybe it should have been. But I'm going to talk more about, you know, why it's important that OCR have made these changes to this reading list and what I hope that will do for future generations of students. Um, I think especially for me, having done English and history, English still... I still feel like there is so much power in a really diverse English curriculum because especially because it's a subject everyone has to do at GCSE. So if you have the power essentially of all students in England doing this specification or doing this subject, you are shaping, you, you know, you're, whatever you're given to them is compulsory. So it's not like a subject like history where, you know, if you don't offer a good, good kind of subject or module, people just won't take it. English you have to take it so what you give to students to study and learn is so so important okay so you might be thinking why why are we making changes now on a you know weekday afternoon this was released last week why in 2021 September are we making changes for next year's curriculum well I think we have the Black Lives Matter protest you know in its most basic sense it alerted people to changes that were needed across so many different industries. And I have friends, family members that work in different industries and it seems to me, and I've got my very optimistic hat on when I say this, that changes are being made. And what I've always thought after following on from Black Lives Matter, you know, the protests and everything last year and what, you know, so many people were saying so many different things, but, you know, not everybody is a police officer. Not everybody works in government not everybody is a teacher but whatever industry is you work in you have to make a change there because that's all you are equipped to do in this life let's be honest if you are qualified to be a doctor then the most effective change you can have on society is through medicine is through you know medical racism and things that happen in there or healthcare or you know that field that profession you're a teacher you know you're most effective and optimum impact is going to be in teaching and I think it seems like people are in their own fields and areas making a change and if this doesn't break down some of the barriers and the systemic issues within society when it comes to race and racial disparities then I don't really know what could change it but it's good to see that even though yeah people aren't on the streets protesting every day and these conversations aren't necessarily happening in our faces People have been empowered to go and have these conversations, to be at those tables where these decisions are being made. And I feel like this is a key example of this happening. 
I think it's also really important to highlight the work of movements like the Black Curriculum who have been campaigning for a more diverse curriculum. And whilst they do focus on, you know, historical events um, and people of historical importance, you know, curriculum change has never just been about history. It's been about diversifying the whole curriculum as a whole. And whilst they've made, you know, so much in regards to starting these conversations, getting the public awareness out there, Wales, they made an announcement a few months ago, I think, either this year, early this year or last year, um, about the fact that they would be bringing in a more diverse curriculum and you had to, as a you know student growing up in Wales now, learn about black people, Asian people and so on. And I think England aren't going to do that or haven't showed signs of doing that it's great to see the exam boards taking it you know up upon themselves to do it to release these materials to create these specifications and also to train the teachers because curriculum change is not simple because if imagine you're a teacher and you've taught for like 20 years let's say and you've been teaching the set texts of Macbeth um Dr Jekyll and Mr Hyde Animal Farm and the Power and Conflict Poetry Anthology every single year for like 15 of those 20 years, you've got your lessons planned. You know, you have in your mind exactly how you're going to teach it. You know how different students learn different poems or different types of texts. You know, the struggles they might have with Shakespeare. You know how the context of Animal Farm might get them. And you have a way of doing that. And it's so time consuming to rewrite your lesson plans to rewrite specifications and don't I don't hear anyone oh that's their job no 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 no. this is very very time consuming work like above and beyond this is summer holiday work this is no rest for the teachers um, and I'm not about that so the fact that they are you know doing this work to give students a better chance at learning something that's actually going to inspire them is absolutely fantastic so claps for the teachers I wouldn't clap because you have to pause this because clapping on a microphone is probably the worst sound you'll ever hear maybe close enough to chalk on a blackboard um but yeah I will say that OCR doing this work is absolutely fantastic now what I will also say on the flip side of this conversation is at history history OCR history wagwan now they have actually created um a new like module specification thing called migration um and the issue with it is is the fact that right now take up is really really low and i think this links back into what i was saying about teachers four percent of students are actually taking that as an option the migration paper um just for anyone that doesn't know maybe if you're in another country gccs are the papers you sit between the ages of eight, 16 and eight, oh no 14 and 16 and it's you know, standard, everybody has to do GCSEs. They're graded one to nine, nine being the highest, one being the lowest. I think a four is a pass. Um, so anything above a four is what you're aiming for, of course, if not the top. And you pick around mm, between like eight and some some kids do 12, 13 subjects. Um, it does vary, depends on your kind of school, your abilities and whatnot. And so exam boards set the papers and we have like three main ones OCR AQA the Welsh board and there's another one but I can't remember off the top of my head right now Edexcel there we go um and so schools will say okay well we want to teach maybe I don't know uh US civil rights 
AQA do that. So we're going to go with AQA. All our students are going to do this AQA paper. Now OCR, who are an exam board, set up a paper that was about migration. As I said, take-ups really low, probably because it's only just come in and teachers have to write rewrite lesson plans, PowerPoints, and kind of figure out how they're going to teach it. And also it's kind of difficult because... You know, the first few years that do it are essentially guinea pig classes. You know, you've, you've never taught it before. No one ever has because it's completely new. It could have an effect on grades. And some teachers in some schools are scared to take that risk because, you know, that is a future child's life. You know, that number kind of goes with you when you're applying for jobs in the future, university and whatnot. So it's a bit of a sticky one. It's not as simple as just, you know, oh, we're just going to teach everything black now because we need to. It, it's going to be a gradual and slow change. I'd like it to be a bit quicker than it is right now, but you can't have it all. Also, on the kind of flip side, I guess, of of calling for GCSE papers and A-level papers and specifications to be diversified and bring in new materials is the issue of the fact that a child growing up in this country has not had any precursors to this kind of um, knowledge or this subject matter, because it's not something you necessarily study in primary school, um, secondary school, the kind of key stage three, year seven to, to nine. And then to go into year 10 and start studying migration to Britain, if all you've been doing previously is, for the most part, the Tudors, maybe the Victorian era, it doesn't really flow too well. And so there was a report actually last year done by the Tide Project and the Runnymede Trust called Teaching Migration, Belonging and Empire in Secondary Schools. And that was the report that found that only 4% of GCSE history students actually studied the Migration to Britain module that was offered um, by AQA and OCR. Sorry, not just OCR. Um, so the report, you know, in its conclusions found, as it would, that Migration, belonging and empire should be covered at key stage three and across different disciplines. So I guess in geography, maybe in a subject like RE, um, you know, drama, maybe um, and English. It needed to be taught across different disciplines um, because that would help, you know, students feel comfortable and teachers feeling more comfortable to teach it at GCSE time. You don't want to take a risk as a teacher or as a student. You don't want to take a risk at GCSE with something you've never learnt about before. Because I know, for example, at A-level, I did Russia, China and the Tudors and the Cold War over the two years. Now, they were all things um, that I'd learnt about before. You know, the seeds were sown from year seven with the Tudors, for example, even with Russia, you know, we'd done the Russian Revolution in year eight, I think. So you weren't learning from the beginning because there's so much content for GCSE exams and A-level that it's so, so difficult to say for the first time ever, we're going to be teaching you about themes such as migration, belonging, empire for the first time where these GCSE grades and these exams are going to stay for you for the rest of your life. It's a big risk. And so this report was written and none of the recommendations or conclusions found have been followed up on. You know, they haven't injected any migration belonging an empire into key stage three, year seven to nine. And so the uptake for these um, kind of modules and, you know, these exam papers is going to be really small. And I hope, I really hope the same won't be said about the A-level English because with the GCSE paper, the only thing that's been added is taking leave by Winsome Pinnock, and that's one of the dramas, because um, you study a drama um, at GCSE, you study poetry and you study um, novels, a modern novel, well, 
think it's like 20th century and then a 19th century or something like that. Um, so, you know, if you've been studying Shakespeare from primary school to year t- nine, then, and, you you know, for your GCSEs, you've been doing Shakespeare, different Shakespeare plays, but you know all about Iambic Pentameter. You know all about Elizabethan England. Um, you know all about James the first um, coming over and taking over the throne and his kind of fears to do the witches you know the context of the time to then go and study the lonely londoners when you've never even studied migration you've never studied the windrush generation you've never studied race um as a theory or as a thing do you know what i mean that's not and that's a big ask and i hope the same doesn't happen it's obviously fantastic to get excited about these things but do it with an air of caution i think and then to think about why you know why have ocr decided to do this well Jill Duffy put out a statement um, which was quoted in a lot of the articles that I read saying, we're committed to increasing the breadth of writing that young people can engage with. Thanks to input from the English teachers we consulted with, a panel of teaching and academic experts, our experienced examiners, as well as feedback from partners such as Lit in Colour. We've carefully selected some exciting works to strengthen our English literature A-level and GCC. The quality of these diverse works will not only support students to develop their skills, knowledge and understanding of English literature, but provide an opportunity to engage with work that is more relevant to their lives and to the lives of fellow students. And isn't this what we've been saying this whole time? Thank you, Jill Duffy. Thank you. Now, I want to pick up on a few points she mentioned. Lit and Colour, another great example um, of work being done to not even necessarily force change but they simply put out um, a list of books for all the different age groups um, all the way up to 18 I think based off of like key stages so key stage one reads key stage two reads GCC level texts a level level texts um, of writers of colour and a lot of schools I believe use this to create book clubs you know because a lot of students are calling out for these books to be taught and teachers can't do anything about the fact that there is no writer of colour on the GCSE um, exam board they've used but they can run a club at lunchtime or after school and I remember my school did that um, and it was really really good um, because you were still able to study these texts in an academic context and have you know not necessarily formal education which is sometimes better because it gives you freedom to discuss it in ways you can't do when you have to learn for an exam because you're quite restricted to what you need to learn and remember so these conversations could still happen which is fantastic and again this is just props and kudos to the teachers that take it upon themselves to to do these kinds of things um, because not all of them do Um, and I think another thing to pull out from um, Jill Duffy's statement was the fact that she said we want to provide an opportunity to engage with work that's more relevant to their lives and the lives of fellow students and I think it kind of brings us full circle to the point I first made with Britain being a country that is full of people from different parts of the world and more and more as we go forward students even in very white areas maybe countryside areas they're going to be exposed to more and more people and even if not in their day-to-day lives right now as 16 year olds you know people move around you might move into a city like London, Birmingham, Manchester where you know colourful, bright Um, and so it's important that you know the lives of their fellow students and fellow members of society are understood in any way possible. And not only that, because I know there will be people 
that are saying, oh, well, you know, now black people are overrepresented in these OCR, uh, you know, exam board texts because we're only 3% of the population. Why do we need an increase? 28% of texts are now written by a writer of colour. 28% of the population is not, you know, black or Asian or ethnic minority. It's not that much. And to that, I have to say, well, you know, we live in a world that actually has a black global majority. And I don't think it's wise for us in this Britain to be in a bubble of we're only going to represent British writers and people that have a link to Britain in our texts because it just makes for more closed-minded people, in my opinion. Now, we might not have a big population of, let's say, East Asian people in this country compared to places like America, um, but it's important to read those texts as well. You know, it's important that we have an understanding of different parts of the world because as we move forward, you just don't know who's going to have a big wave of migration next. And our country is going to get more and more diverse, I believe, anyway. Um, And even if it doesn't, you know, let's create a cultured society that could go into the world and not be ignorant about other people's ways of life, the things they might have experienced, their histories, their traditions, their values. You know, why should it be the standard that we only learn about Britain and what's represented in Britain is what we learn about? I think that's very close-minded and I don't like when people say, oh, you know, we're now overrepresented. That, that's silly because, you know, we learn so much just by living in Britain of British culture. You are essentially, you know, being Britishized, if that's a word, every single day. So that the fact that your formal education is now bringing in parts of the world for you to also learn about shouldn't be a problem, in my opinion. And that is, I would say, rant over. It feels a bit ranty. I'm sorry if it felt that way, but it was a celebration. I was so excited to see the fact that OCR, especially for A-level as well, because you have such great conversations at A-level. I don't know... Maybe if you took sciences and maths, it's not the same because you just do the equations and get on with it. I wouldn't know, I didn't take them. But when it comes to those subjects where you can really get into a discussion like RE, history, English, even economics, politics, where you can really get down to like a really good conversation and a debate about certain topics, especially in these subjects, it's so important that we're debating things that actually matter and actually have bearing on our lives and the lives of fellow students and, and the future students as well. So that being said, that is me wrapping up this episode. Um, you know, a call to action is maybe to read one of those books. You never know, your future children might be learning one of them uh, in the coming years or, or months, however old your children are. Or you might be if you are that young. I know a few of you are that listen to this podcast. So I hope you're excited to potentially, you know, read some some really great books as a bare minimum. Really great books by really great authors. So thank you for listening. I hope you have a wonderful day. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the History Hotline. If you've enjoyed this episode, please tell a friend to tell a friend. To continue the conversation about black history, head over to our social media platforms at the History Hotline on Instagram and at the History HL on Twitter.